Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Hey, welcome back. We are beginning the masterclass on the Old Testament in the 20-minute script line. Next. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's been a while, and I apologize for that, but I wanted to jump in. I am so excited to jump into the scriptures again with specifically the Old Testament. The manual for Come Follow Me for 2022 is out at the time of this recording. It's July 2021. And so it is time to jump in because, see, the Old Testament is so rich. It's so big. There's so much material that we're just going to gloss over it because it is so much that we won't have time to go through it. But if you're like me and you love to jump in, but you also may need to teach either your family in your own study or in your own study, you're probably thinking, hey, I don't have enough time. So this is hopefully some supporting material to help you in your study of the Old Testament, which will then just lead into your study of the New Testament, which will then just lead in the story of uh, your structure of the Book of Mormon. So that's what we're going to jump into. So first, um, what I thought we'd do today is, well, first masterclass. I said masterclass. Is it a masterclass? I don't know. It's something, right? It's something more so. Yay. Yay for us. But uh, but yeah, this is my favorite. This is my favorite section. This is the stuff I love to study the most. So hopefully there'll be some things you that will help you might not have heard them all. So let's jump in. First, I wanted to talk about a little bit of the structure in the background, the big picture. Uh, you see, a few years ago, I have taught the Old Testament a bazillion times, and I asked a class because I knew what the answer is in an adult class. I said, hey, what do you guys think about the Old Testament? What is typically your response? And people are like, oh, grumble, grumble. Oh, um, and somebody even said, I, I like the stories. They're very disturbing. <laughs> I don't even know if the Old Testament's true. Um, and then I had a, another brave soul raise his hand and he said, Lori, I really like the Old Testament. It seems like God's really vengeful and, and things are kind of uh, scary all the time. I really like more of the gentle Jesus. Uh, that we see in the, the New Testament and, and other scriptures. And so um, I, I can understand why, but I wanted to see if we can kind of dispel that, go through and talk about a little bit more of what's going on that might help us understand. So if you're one of those that says, hey, grumble, grumble, or it's kind of scary, or I'm not really sure, uh, let's see if we can help out. So the first thing to understand about the Old Testament, um, if you are not from a Christian background, it's called the Hebrew Bible. So it, um, it, it, we call it the Christian scriptures for the New Testament and the Hebrew Bible, uh, just the Bible if you're Jewish. And so we tend to just call it the Old Testament, but it's really not one book. It's a library of books. And that makes it a little bit hard because it isn't one kind of book, but it's lots of books and they cover thousands of years and it's written by hundreds or thousands of people. And so it has so many different styles that it's better to think of it as a library of books. So when you jump in, the, one of the first things we'll do is talk about what kind of style it is. Uh, most of them are narrative. The most popular style, the most popular one that you know are stories, right? It's going to have characters and there's going to be drama and there's going to be uh, setting and things that are going on. And so I realize it's scripture and you say, Lori, that freaks me out when you say it's a story. But 
Um, it is not a set of directives. Uh, as much as we say it's the law or something like that, it is really mostly narrative. It's mostly stories. So you're very familiar with stories. You understand that you have to kind of dig into the characters. You've got to dig into the plot line, the setting, things like that to try to understand. And it's no different in scripture. It really invites us to study. It invites us to uh, ponder it and really say, what are, what are we learning about these characters to put ourselves in their shoes? So that's the first thing is that it's going to be narrative. The second most popular is actually poetry. Uh, if you are reading in your King James Bible, which I assume you are, you'll notice that it's always chapter and verse. Um, that That is not really that helpful sometimes of pointing out the poetry. Now, Hebrew poetry isn't like um, English poetry or American poetry, which is usually meter and rhyme and it, you know, it has verses. Um, it does have verses and it has different structure, but it doesn't typically rhyme. That isn't really how it works, but it does parallel each other. So it'll say the same thing kind of over and over or maybe contrast or build. Um, and so it has a certain structure. It does sometimes rhyme internally, um, or sometimes it starts with the letters of the alphabet. So the first line will start with the equivalent of A and then B and C. It's, it just has a different structure, but it is the most popular. In fact, um, next to narrative, about a third of it is written in poetry. One way to find out if it's a poem or not is to check out another translation. I like the New Standard Revised, an SRV version, or the English Standard Version, ESV. Um, either of those, you can just like Google them and they're free and you can actually throw up your King James on a column and then you can throw up your other version and you can kind of see it and it's broken out like a poem. I mean, you can see it's like a paragraph, like a story, and then it breaks out into a poem. So that's super helpful. Um, those things will help us as we jump in. Um, now there are other forms as well. In fact, um, in a kind of an acronym that we use in Hebrew is called the Tanakh, T-N-K, and it's a way to group the books, just a way to remember it. So T is for Torah. You've probably heard that word. It actually means instruction or teaching, sometimes called law, but law is kind of a bad word. Um, not a bad word, but it's not quite right. Uh, it's more like instruction. instruction. So it's not a law book, but it is a set of instructions. And those are typically the first five books, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then T for Tanakh is uh, Nevi'im. Uh, Navi is prophet in in Hebrew, and if it ends in an im, it's one of the ways to make a Hebrew word plural. So Nevi'im is the prophets. And so those are all the names of the books that have people names for the most part. Um, some of them we think of as of histories. There's a section that Christianity called histories like Joshua, Joshua, Judges, but those are actually called the uh, older prophets. And then you have what's called the major prophets and the minor prophets. It's not because they were less important, but it's because the length of the books. So the major prophets, uh, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, and then the minor prophets, all those other guys. Amos is a really good one. If you want to jump into one of the minor prophets, again, they're not less important. They're just shorter. So you get all the guys' names that end in Aya typically, or E-L. Um, here's a hint. There's a little Hebrew for you. If it ends in E-L or the, the name E-L is God. L means God in Hebrew. If, um, it's Aya, uh, there's no J sound actually in Hebrew. It's an I or a Y sound. Um, but it moved into Latin and Greek, and so we picked up a J. So if it ends in Aya, like Zechariah or Jeremiah or Obadiah, um, it actually is Jah or Yah, and that's short for Jehovah or Yahweh. Um, so it's the names of God, El or Yah. So it's always going to be something about their name is something about God. Um, like Daniel, um, God is my judge. Samuel, uh, God hears. Uh, uh, or 
um, something something like that. Uh, so so anyway, kind of kind of cool how they work. Um, so so check those out. But those those are how they work. Is the Nevi ink. The last one is Ketuvim, and that just means writings. It's kind of the mush pot where they throw everything else in. So those are going to be Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, Job, uh, etc. So they they have some other stories that go in there. But that's just a way to group all those libraries. So one way to think of them is when you first start you know, crack into a book, um, I want you to read the whole book. Read the whole book. Say, Lori, I don't want to read the whole book. You do. Read the whole book. It was written to be listened to, actually. So read it out loud or or listen to it on YouTube. Uh, pick a version you like. Um, again, I, I like the those other two versions I mentioned. But listen to them because they're meant you're supposed to hear them and, and listen to the story. And read the whole story. Don't just read a tiny little bit. I guarantee you you'll get some out of it. Um, so try reading the whole book and remember what kind it is. Is it the law? Is it the prophets? Is it uh, writings? Is it poetry, narrative? There's a million different styles. So that's the first thing. Here's one of the biggest secrets and that really helps me understand the Old Testament. And if you don't know yet, I love it, right? You can just feel it. Just love it. But when we crack open the Bible, it seems to be mostly chronological, right? It starts out in the beginning. And so you're like, oh, this is really old. And then it kind of goes through history. So you learn about this kind of primeval history, and then it goes into these different patriarchs and matriarchs, the Abrahams and Sarahs and Jacobs and those guys. And then you flip the page and all of a sudden you're in Exodus and the deliverance. So it seems kind of chronological, right? But just a hint, um, remember that story I told you at the beginning where I had a student who was like, Lori, it's kind of scary. God seems kind of vengeful. Um, there's probably a reason for that and that we actually think most of it was written as a flashback. That's right. So it was written, um, it was written later. And one of the two times that we think it was actually written in is, um, is from the time of the exile. So the exile is that time when, when the tribes are all broken up, the 10 tribes are lost, and then the uh, Judah is even gone. And so they are kind of sucked out of the uh, land of uh, Canaan and they're all spread out. And so then they, a few, very few come back. And so if you were writing in the time when everything seems to be like broken up and torn apart and your country is lost, the temple is destroyed, the peace, priesthood is broken up, the covenants that were made to Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, all of those guys are kind of gone. The golden age of David and Solomon gone. Uh, so you're like, how, how did we get here? You're in Babylon. Um, you know, how did we get here? How did we let this happen? And then you said, well, let me tell you when in the beginning. So you go back, if you were to tell the story from that point of view, you would probably highlight some of the negative things. This is, we got ourselves into this, right? We kept falling back into idolatry. We didn't listen. We didn't live up to our covenants. God punished us, not because he's vengeful, but because he's trying to chasten us. And so you, you, you kind of see it from that point of view. That's one time that we're pretty sure most of these stories get written, um, or at least compiled. Uh, think of it like the Book of Mormon being edited later. And so you're going to pick and choose some of those stories. Probably the same thing with the Old Testament. Another time that we think that some of these stories were kind of compiled and told uh, were the birth of the nation. So the time of David and Solomon. So you're going to see a lot of emphasis on, for example, the youngest son, not uh, not the oldest son being chosen because, you know, David is the youngest son and Solomon is the younger son and on and on. And so it's like, well, hey, how did this happen? And why didn't the kingship go to, um, you know, 
the tribe of Levi or something? Why did the kingship go away from the priesthood? So, so they're explaining some of the, the stories. And so they, they tell the story and, and tell it. So don't let that throw you off. But if you were to tell the story of the Old Testament as a flashback, and you're like, hey, let me tell you way back when, and then carry the story forward, you might pick and choose some different stories, or it might have a certain slant. So if that helps you, um, one way to think about the Old Testament is it's a lot of a flashback, and then it can kind of continue, continues on. In fact, it goes something like this, right? Like, hey, how did we get here? We're in this exile. We had this promise. We had a kingdom, and we had, we had the priesthood. We had the Lord on our side. Um, and then how are we broken up how are we in exile and if you remember one of the key points which will hit over and over again was that god was their god and god was in their presence in fact that's like the whole culminating excitement of the book of exodus they build the tabernacle the tent of meeting where god can meet with his people is what he says so they go up on sinai and they come down and they get these instructions and they built this tent of meeting and god's presence his glory um enters and and then it's like wow you know this this presence there in the tabernacle the 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 two beats temple and then when they move the ark of the covenant and they move it into jerusalem and god's presence is is there as well so god's presence is there and then during the exile um they uh they're taken away um out of their babylon and it be, you know, turn over the hands turn over who owns all these people and where they live but anyway they come back a small group comes back to jerusalem and they rebuild the temple and uh, this is the story of ezra and nehemiah so you're right at the end um of the old testament and they rebuild this temple and it's just not as cool as the the old one and uh, but and it says the elder you know people that had been there the grandfathers grandmothers weep when they see the new one because it was just so poor in comparison to the first uh, solomon's temple but they 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 dedicate it they have days of fasting they do all of this they have the uh, dedication the oil and all the things and nothing happens god's presence doesn't come back and that's kind of how the story ends historically the old testament is like when is god gonna return where where where's his presence when will he join his people and you turn the page and there you are the story of jesus so i know you're saying laurie it ends with micah but uh, historically it actually ends with ezra and nehemiah as, as far as chronological so so this this is cliffhanger it's a flashback followed by a cliffhanger that's kind of how the uh, old testament works okay so there's a little bit of a way to think of it way to think of these stories and what the people are going through also we have already reviewed a little bit of the the styles called genre um i didn't mention that word but the styles right it's narrative and poetry and, and different things we've also talked a little bit about the structure being the tanakh the torah the prophets and the writings just to kind of group all of these scriptures um those are some ways to kind of think about it i've also given you a couple of challenges do you remember what they are yeah I want you to read the whole book and read it out loud if you can. Read the whole book when we're jumping in. And you'll say, Lori, it's like 50 chapters in Genesis. Do it anyway. Uh, especially read the first five books. Um, you'll find that they are so powerful and there's so much to be uh, gained there. Even like Leviticus. Leviticus is awesome. We'll go through it together. But um, I want you to, to really challenge yourself this year and say, hey, there's this you know, two-thirds of our scriptures here are here. I, um, I'm going to jump in this year and find it. Uh, we'll go through it together but those are some of your challenges let's go through a couple more things for our last few minutes here there are a few themes there are a few uh, patterns that keep coming up when you look at these uh, stories and so just a few of them that you're going to find over and over you're going to see god's creation 
Um, God, this is God who's going to be very involved with humanity. He has a purpose for them. He is not a distant God. He's not far away and like, I don't know, you know, so transcendent and far away that he's not involved. He's super involved. He's speaking to them face to face. They're having revelations there. They, uh, of him, they are, uh, his presence is there. They're, they're so worried about the temple and the tabernacle where they can go. He wants to meet with them. And so we're going to see this. God's going to create them the purpose for humanity, but also how he's going to meet with people, specifically individuals and families. He is a very personal God. He's not distant. Those are I guess two things. A third, you're going to see this theme of redemption. We see saving, redemption, deliverance. You might remember the story of Exodus. And that's the first time we actually hear the word redemption in the Bible is in the book of Exodus after the Israelites are, are freed from Egypt. So we're going to see this idea. Isaiah really hits on this theme really hard as well about personal um, redemption and what it's going to take. And so how God is so involved. So all the way from the beginning, the fall, the creation and the fall and a plan that God is going to make. But how is he going to save them? It starts right out in Genesis, goes through Exodus and continues on through. We also see a theme of obedience, faith, holiness. How, what are we expected to do? God's going to spend a lot of time explaining what he expects of us. How do we hear him? How do we obey him? Even maybe when those around us do not. You're going to see themes, especially as it gets into later times as well. You might say, oh, that was in the beginning of the Bible. I remember the stories of Adam and Eve and uh, these, these people that, that didn't listen. But it goes through over and over again. How do we hear him? What are we supposed to do? How does God want to meet with us? Um, I love the story of Daniel because it's like that. When we are surrounded by others who may not believe as we do, what do we do? Uh, the story of judges because <laughs> waxes and wanes over and over again. It's just so many examples. Another theme um, that it just cannot be overemphasized is that is covenant. Uh, God makes promises. God wants to work with us and God keeps his promises. Even when we do not, uh, many times there are so many different covenants that come up that it is a heavy theme. God keeps his promises. And lastly, God's love, his outreach to humanity. There is a scripture at the end of Exodus. It is the most quoted, even portion, um, most quoted scripture in all of scripture in, in the Old Testament is a scripture that you might not know. Let me flip to it because it really is one of my favorites. Here it is in Exodus 34. After the children of Israel, uh, Moses has been up on the mount um, and he's been gone for a little while and they create the golden calf. So even after this miraculous deliverance out of Egypt. Um, and, and now this, uh, God still loves his people. And this is again, the most often quoted scripture from the old Testament and uh, scripture. And it says this in Exodus, uh, 34 verse, I'm about in verse six. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. Um, this is one of my favorites because it talks about uh, the Lord loving his people. If we're going to know, this is what he describes himself as. Uh, these are his attributes. He is God, the Lord God, and he is merciful, gracious, long suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. He keeps mercy for thousands. He forgives iniquity. 
but he doesn't just let people slide. I mean, he's going to help you out when those people are being bad to you. He's going to watch out for them too. But he keeps mercy for a thousand. He forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. Again, merciful, gracious, long-suffering. And so that is the most common. So if you say, hey, Lori, what's this story about? One of the themes is we're going to find out is that God loves and uh, reaches out to humanity. All right, scriptorians, that's probably a great place to start. Next, I want to talk about the book of Genesis and some, actually, I'm going to do a second part on this on just some uh, language and history and context. All right, scriptorians, uh, keep on reading. This is it. This is we have hit the Old Testament. Welcome back.